The sponsor for the month is Free Grace Press. Free Grace Press is firmly committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ and the biblical truths of His Word. The inspiration of Scripture, the Trinity, the deity of Christ, the doctrines of grace, and the importance of the local church as expressed by the historical reform confessions such as such as the 1689 London Baptist Confession. To this end, Free Grace Press seeks to publish a wide assortment of Christian literature from both historical and contemporary authors who uphold these core commitments. Our heart is to make available books and tracts we believe will be spiritually inspirational, doctrally educational, and practically helpful for the universal church of God. The mission of Free Grace Press is to glorify God by assisting others in obtaining a deeper knowledge and greater enjoyment of the Lord Jesus Christ. Visit our website at freegracepress.com and use the coupon code The Shepherd's Crook for 10% off your next purchase. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. I'm excited to have a guest on that. Well, I haven't been learning pastoral ministry from him, but I have been listening to his music and having a good time with that, following his stories on the internet. I'm talking to a new friend, Mo Pitney. Mo, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Doing good. Just finished a run this morning. Uh, did a little bit of recording this morning, and I got my eye on this really big, really big, I think five and a half year old buck that's running around my house. Like he's been <laughs> on my trail cam. So, brother, I've been up this morning and I have been using my house as a deer blind running from side to side <laughs> looking for this deer. So I've had a pretty eventful morning this morning. Well, well, good. It sounds like your run is not the normal run. You're just running back and forth trying to lay your eyes on a, and pattern a deer. That's right. Yeah, I did that. And, you know, you try to get in the head of a deer and think what they think, and it doesn't work out too often, you know? <laughs> no, it takes, um, well, it takes years, I feel like, to understand some of the deer. And then... Oh whenever you feel like you understand them god gives you one with a really weird personality to try to figure out and you realize that wisdom doesn't put everything in one box wisdom understands that every scenario is different and Hmm. uh, deer hunting uh, teaches us that very much it humbles us over and over again it does (laughs) it definitely does well we'll go ahead and pray and then we'll get started we'll get to know you a little bit and then we'll get into some hunting stories and have some fun yeah Father, we just thank you so much for what you have done for us in Christ Jesus. We thank you for the blood of Christ that unites us as brothers. Excited about this conversation. Lord, I pray that you are directed. I pray it would be encouragement to everybody that's listening in. And uh, if there's anybody listening in that does not know you, God, I pray that today would be the day that they bow their knee and follow you as their king, that they would trust in you and receive the forgiveness of sins. And for everybody that's listening in, all my pastor friends that are listening in, God, I pray that this is also be an encouragement to them. I pray you'd help them get out in the woods, get out and do something active and, uh, and to do something even like hunting, uh, to, uh, to just do something, stay in shape and have a good time and, uh, just lead the discussion. I trust you're going to, it's in Jesus name. We pray. Amen. Amen. All right, man, why don't you go and tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and then what it is that you do. Yeah, so I'm originally from Rockford, Illinois, and um, my ancestors come from Missouri and Arkansas. So being a simple 
country boy was kind of in my blood. So moving outside of Rockford after being born to a place called Cherry Valley, which was the outskirts of town. Uh, one side is cornfields for miles and the other side I can go into town. I, I felt like I was um, in heaven once I made it that far out where I could go out and hunt and chase deer and, and pheasants and go fishing. And uh, I tell people growing up, the only reason why I would uh, find myself inside was to play the guitar and then to eat food. And, and food was never something that uh, excited me. It was just something that kept me alive to play guitar and to go be outside. So gotcha. that, that's kind of how my life started growing up. Those were my two greatest loves. Um, and um, the love for music kept growing and then had opportunities to move down to Nashville. And um, all of this, even growing up in church, having never met Jesus yet, hmm. and uh, moved to Nashville, uh, I guess I was down there more than I was in my hometown when I was 18 or 19, I think. And uh, yeah, just little by little doors started opening up down here, uh, got a record deal with Curb Records, I made a record, uh, started traveling the country and the world playing country music. And, um, and here I am, I met my wife along the way and, uh, have two baby girls and uh, we're trying to live a simple, uh, life with our feet down on the rock and write songs about it. Nice. <laughs> let, uh, the joy of, of knowing the savior reflect in all that we do. Mm. Amen. That's good stuff. You know, when I think about a country boy, I don't think about somebody growing up in Rockford, Illinois. So that's an <laughs> interesting story. You know, we're five hours south, you know, way down uh -huh. in the southern part of the state. And, you know, from southern, you know, your wife's from southern Illinois. And so southern Illinois is kind of its own thing. You know, we, we really don't claim northern Illinois. But that's interesting up right. in, in Rockford and, uh, and being out in the country. Because, you know, I, I think northern Illinois and I think Chicago. Yeah, exactly. And there's, you know, all the friends that I gravitated to, they were all outdoorsmen. I mean, um, you know, Wisconsin, Iowa, Northern Illinois, that really is the whitetail capital of the world in a sense. I mean, there, there's just amazing deer hunting there. So um, a lot of my friends, the guys that I ran around with were all outdoorsmen and, and my cousin Luke up that way. I mean, all we did was talk deer and and largemouth bass, you know? So. Yeah. Heck yeah, man. Well, it's interesting. I went up to Minnesota, let me think, in March and uh, not in March, in September, and I was able to harvest a bear and it was phenomenal. I saw that. I looked on your Instagram. That looks awesome. Dude, it was incredible. But I was <laughs> shocked up there because we saw deer everywhere. This guy had like 900 acres and we went driving around everywhere and there were deer and they, they had like 300 pound whitetail deer. It was shocking. I mean, just tanks. I mean, here, you know, if you get a 250 pounder, I mean, that's a massive deer and yeah. they had just tanks up there. And so, yeah, for some reason, I guess it is the further North you go, the bigger they get. I don't really know why that is, but cold weather, got to have a bigger coat up there. Yeah, I guess so. Okay. So you're <laughs> married, you got your girls, you got a house full of ladies, you and Emily got your daughters. Looks like you got an a wood stove. Now I got a question. Cause I just got a wood stove. And uh, I'm going to be, my, my plan is, because in pastoral ministry, man, 
it's easy to uh, it's easy to do nothing ma- like with manual labor. So it's mm. easy to just same with being a musician. <laughs> okay, there we go. So it's easy to be weak or get fat. You you and I don't think I have a, have a problem gaining weight, but yeah. uh, but the the problem of just getting be very, lazy. Yeah, there we go. Or just it just be weak, you know. And and I'm getting a little older now, and so I needed something that would be some good manual labor. <laughs> so the idea. Everybody keeps telling me this, man, you're going to chop wood for a year and the next year you're getting a wood splitter. So do you got a wood splitter or are you going to be chopping wood? What what do you got? Well, I don't currently have a wood splitter. I have a whole bunch of wood stacked up that I um, chainsawed myself, which was in the build site where the house that we built and the whole side of our house has got, I guess it's like 20 yards wide and four feet tall of logs that haven't been split yet. Okay. And gotcha. um, my plan is to s- split it as I go, split it as I need it. There you and, go. And um, um, I'm going to set up a little spot in between what's sitting there and, um, you know, the side of the house where I'm going to bring in all the wood to the, to the wood burning stove and all, but we'll see how that goes. I, my dad had bought a couple of ricks of wood as well that he said that he's going to, bring over to my house because he hasn't been using his stove the last couple of years. So okay. I get that gift for Christmas. Um, there you go. but I still am planning to, to swing an ax. Yeah. That's even well, so the ax is laid to the root of the tree. That's right. <laughs> well, my boys, the plan for them is going to be, you know, as they grow up as well, because ransom is seven Valor's only three, but the idea is as they get older, we'll do that together. It'll be something for us to do together, but, uh, okay. Really good. Let's switch gears a little bit. First, can you hunt on your property? Can you just walk out your door and sit in a stand right on your property? Yeah, I can. It's three acres, so I've decided not to currently. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I've fed some deer there, and whenever you put corn down here, you're not allowed to hunt within so many yards, and so they would have to clean up all of the feed that I have out before I could hunt. And, uh, currently, I'm just enjoying watching the deer at my place and that excites the girls and I will say I woke up the other morning and came out on my porch because we normally only have does there in the daytime and a very big nine pointer at nine in the morning uh was chasing one of those does around my house Mm. (laughs) and so I kind of had a change of thought that maybe (laughs) I will sit out here one day but I've I've actually been blessed to have a, a number of really good spots. A friend of mine has a hundred acres, uh, about eight miles from my house that he lets me hunt. And then uh, I uh, I'll, I'll really say that one of my favorite things, like one of my greatest passions now, is to hunt public land. Mm. Uh, it adds it adds a level of um, excitement. It adds challenge, and um, I guess um, I just you know if i come out able to shoot a nice buck or whatever there's something um satisfying in telling other people that it was done on public land and encouraging others that might not hunt because they don't have property to hunt that Mm -hmm. it is possible um even you know in places where most people say oh there's no deer on public land well that's that's true for 90 percent of public land but that means that that 10% of public land has all the deer. <laughs> and if you yeah. can find that 10%, um, you actually have 
amazing hunts on public land, but it takes a little bit of knowledge of deer movement and things like that and people movement to figure yeah. that out. <laughs> yeah. So do you watch hunt in public? Yes, I have. I've hunted, I've watched them a bunch. It's, it's, uh, was very helpful that when I desired to start hunting public land, I was just looking up a bunch of different stuff online. And then obviously, hence the name, I, I, um, just stumbled onto their podcasts and everything that they do. And I learned so much, you know, so. <laughs> those guys are fun to watch and they are so good. Those spot and stalk episodes are absolutely incredible. I think Zach's I gotten several of them. And then, uh, I think uh, Jake has got a couple of them, but man, those are such cool hunts to watch. And I've tried that a couple times. There's a place right down the road from me so I can hunt in my yard. We've got just a little over two acres, but I'm growing up. We've got like hundreds of acres around us of farmland and these deer come into my property and they cut across our property. So we've got okay. some pretty nice bucks that I've got on our trail cam this year. So I've got a place here at my house, but then I've got a place down the road. And man, I went, I've been walking through there and just trying to walk through there and chase these things down because I'll hear one and I'll get down from the stand and try to go stock it. And, uh, oh man, it's tough. So those guys, oh, yeah. those guys know what they're doing. Oh yeah, very much so. Okay. So was scrolling through Instagram. I see this incredible, non-typical deer that you get and read the story and think, oh my gosh, that is absolutely <laughs> unbelievable. It was on public ground. So I, dude, I just want to hear the story. And I mean, make it as, uh, as dramatic as you possibly can and, <laughs> and pull me in because I have been waiting to hear this and excited about talking to you about it. So if you've not, if you don't know what we're talking about, you got to go to, to Mo's Instagram and you got to just look it up. Is it at Mo Pitney or just go figure yeah, it out at, Pitney, yeah. at Mo Pitney and go and look at this and read this story and look at this deer that he got, but man, let's hear the story. I got to hear it. So, um, last year I got real serious about looking for the peculiar places that are overlooked the narrow gate spots where <laughs> the big king buck is going to be hiding on public land and so i spent a lot of time scouting in late november last year and right close to to town uh, in ashland city there's a couple really small public land spots that i went and checked um, that almost every time that I run into big deer, there's normally water involved. I put on my waders and I have to cross water to get to a spot. And then that eliminates 99% of hunters right. and deer know that. So they, they will find a thick bedding area where there's water blocking them. Um, and they'll just file in there. And I went into this little spot last year, late November and uh, found trees um, cedar trees that were this big around, um, that looked like a beaver had almost chewed through the whole thing. I mean, I could tell the wow. deer was uh, massive and there were really tall rubs, which the, um, the size of the tree doesn't normally matter. A little buck can rub a big tree often and make it look crazy. But the, the height of the rubs could, I could tell it was a really big deer. Um, so I hunted that spot twice late November, actually never saw a deer in there. Um, and I just said, you know what, he was in here heavy first part of November and late part of October. So I'm going to wait till the first week of November. I won't even touch this spot until then. And so, um, that's what I did. Um, I tell people as I was working on the wood burning stove, uh, 
I can feel the Holy Spirit making me like a little squirrel right now, gathering acorns for the winter. And I would most definitely have disobeyed God if I would have hunted any day in October. He had some things on my list that uh, every time I would think about hunting, I would lose peace. That that shalom that you feel when you're in the wind of God, if, if that makes sense. And so um, there were many times that I wanted to hunt and I knew he was telling me that today's not the day. Okay. Well, on November 3rd, uh, I was writing a song and halfway through writing the song, I don't even have my gear ready. Um, I could tell that the song was going quick and I was like, well, I may have time to hunt tonight and I'm waiting on stovepipe. I don't really have anything to do. And all that anxiety left and it was like peace. And immediately I could, this spot from last year popped into my head and I looked at the wind and the wind was right for that spot. And I thought, well, Jesus, are you telling me I'm supposed to hunt tonight? And, and, and I very much felt like I got a confirmation in my heart that I'm going to go hunting tonight. And so I talked with Emily and uh, I said, well, Emily's going to have to, to be happy about that too. And so I asked her and she says, no, you need to hunt. And so I said, all right, that's that's all the confirmation I need and so I went home and shot two arrows at the target was still hitting good and um uh grabbed my waders and my XOP tree stand and drove to this really funny spot crossed a creek walked in with the wind in my face and uh checked all those rubs that were opened up last year and I got really discouraged because all those rubs hadn't been touched. It actually looked like a little buck had rubbed them a little bit, but they looked okay. nothing like last year. And um, I said, you know what? I'm in here. I'm just going to hunt it anyways. And uh, I always pray before I climb a tree because I know that uh, he knows a lot about trees. He knows a lot about good trees and bad trees. And if one's going to fall over, and <laughs> which one the deer's going to walk by. Uh-huh. And uh, Prayer life goes walk- through the roof when you're hunting, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. And so uh, one just kind of stood out among other ones and I climbed a tree. And um, it was about 340 when I got set up. And I rattled right away and nothing happened. I knew that was a little early, but around 4.30, I rattled again. And a nine pointer about as wide as his ears, a three and a half year old deer ran in on me while I was still rattling. And I, uh, in the past, I passed so many deer, um, but this year I haven't been planning to hunt as much. Uh, and I wanted to get some meat for the freezer and I'm on public land. And I just said, I'm not picky this year. I'm going to shoot some deer for the f- freezer. It doesn't have to be four or five, six. And I'm, I'm not worried about that. I want to have a good story. Mm-hmm. So I said, Jesus, if this is my deer, give me a perfectly broadside shot. I drew on that deer three times and he was within 12, 15 yards of me oh, wow. for 15 minutes. And I could not get a shot and he turned around walked off and when he was about 50 or 60 yards quartering away I heard a stick crack behind me and um, I turned around and looked and the buck that I had shot was standing 24 yards across the creek (laughs) licking himself oh man and I could tell right away that he was in velvet and there was uh, main beams going everywhere and 
I was like, what in the world is this? I was actually confused. And um, I analyzed it so much. I completely lost all my nerves. I wasn't nervous hmm. at all. This deer's in velvet. It's November. What is wrong? Right. It, is the world ending? <laughs> Has the rapture happened? Right. What is happening? I've never seen this in November. I was so confused. And, uh, and, and I got to thinking back to when I was young, I read an article that they can harm themselves and lose their testosterone and uh, never shed their antlers and also never shed their velvet. Mm. Um, and then immediately I got to thinking about those rubs that weren't opened up. And I was like, I wonder if that's the same buck from last year. And if he harmed himself through the summer and now the reason why he's not rubbing trees is he's lost all of his testosterone well i grunted at him a couple of times which i didn't know if it was a good idea because i figured he wouldn't be an aggressive deer mm -hmm. um, but he was there was a creek and he was facing this way and i'm i'm on this side of the creek on the south side he's on the north side of the creek and he starts heading east and every time he'd leave i'm like man this is over i'm not gonna be able to shoot him he's in the really thick stuff I would grunt, he'd turn and he'd look at me for about five minutes and then he'd go and then he'd grunt, he'd turn and look at me for about five minutes. And then I snort wheezed at him just as a Hail Mary. Mm -hmm. And he looked at me again for another five minutes and he walked and I said, all right, that's fine. It's not my deer. And then I heard him slosh across the creek and I Ooh. went, oh, this whole time he was going up to a spot he wanted to cross. It wasn't because it was real steep bank in between him and I. Okay. And I thought, okay, it's game over. I said, Jesus, I have messed this up so many times. He has put big deer in front of me and I've missed or I've dropped an arrow or whatever because I used to get so nervous. And I said, you train my heart, my hands for battle. <laughs> I said, keep me steady and please let me make a good shot. And the deer came down to seven yards and he was quartering towards me a little bit. Ended up being quartering towards me a little stronger than I I knew, but um, I stopped him and uh, shot him at seven yards, and he ran past me. And immediately, I got a little bit nervous because it looked looked a little farther back than okay. it actually ended up being. Um, but that was just because of how he was angled. Right when he turned, it made the exit of the entry room look farther back. And he ran up, and I heard a crash. Um, but I guess he had met up with another deer because okay. after I heard the crash, I heard a deer run way back into the back corner and the mixture of feeling like the, the shot was a little far back and, uh, hearing the deer keep running through the woods. I just got nervous. It was going to be really cold that night. It was going to be in the low thirties. Mm -hmm. And I just said, this doesn't make me feel great, but I think the best decision is to wait and let him set overnight. Um, so I woke up the next morning um, before light, and I kind of sat at the tree before the sun came up. And obviously did some praying again and, and um, just wanted to move slow and be very quiet mm -hmm. and ended up walking just a little ways and right where I heard that crash is where he was. So he, had, he had inspired right away. And it turned out that I stepped back from the, the deer to the arrow and that mm -hmm. was exactly 77 steps. And then I, I 
walked from the arrow, which was sticking in the ground, mm-hmm. uh, the tree, and it was exactly seven steps. So um, I call him the seven, seven, seven buck. And, and uh, I, uh, I have had too many things happen in my life over the last two years of, of him being very uniquely personal to me in my life almost mm-hmm. prophetically or or just just the way life has played out he he explains himself mm-hmm. and proves that he's the one driving the ship i read in hebrews this morning the captain of our salvation you know? mm, that's good and um uh that is not a coincidence in my book there's too many things that i have I've chalked up as coincidence in my life, but he's pretty much pinned me to the ground where I can no longer call those things coincidence in the light of how sovereign he is. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And then my little girl came out and helped me get the deer. And oh, my that's fun. Helped me. We put it on a deer cart and brought it out of the woods. My daughter was through the roof about it. Uh, Emily had the baby in a baby carrier and we all went out there and did the family thing and, Evie was so excited that our freezer was going to be full that <laughs> his horns awesome. was so that his horns was so big and fuzzy <laughs> because he was still in velvet. Yeah. I don't know. I just, then I was one for one. That was literally one hunt. <laughs> and that's incredible. That's and absolutely incredible. I so guess how, I'm waiting for the Holy spirit to tell me I can go out again. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> be two oh, for two. <laughs> that's incredible. So how long until you get it back and you get it on the wall, what would it take three, four months, something like that? Well, I've still, I've still got them in the freezer. You're going to think I'm funny, but I promised God that I was never going to mount another deer. Okay. <laughs> well, I didn't promise. I didn't promise. I, I said, I don't think I'm ever going to mount another deer. I just, I might do European mounts where I can see the antlers, but mm-hmm. I don't need this fur and, and this whole head in my house. And I said, I said that, well, the, the problem with that is that this deer is so unique. Mm-hmm. It is literally everywhere I've looked, people say one in a hundred hunters will have a once in a lifetime encounter with a deer mm-hmm. that doesn't lose his, his velvet. Right. And so everyone in my family is saying that they'll pay. <laughs> <laughs> my Christmas present will be that they let me mount the deer. So there you I go. put him in my freezer for a while, the, the cape and everything. And he's still in my freezer now. You can European mount him where it's European mount with a with a velvet antlers, but it's more okay. expensive to do a deer with velvet because they have to inject things to preserve the velvet. But I do think... Um, I do think I'm going to do a, a full head mount. And so I'm looking for the right taxidermist to do that. And yep. my family, I think my extended family is going to all throw in money to pay for the mount for Christmas. That's so awesome. That has been my, my encouragement to actually do it. You know, but, That's very cool. I'm surprised the folklore stories of Cabela's calling up hunters and saying, Hey, we'll, we'll put that on our, we'll pay you. And we'll put that on our wall at our store. Hasn't happened yet because that is such a unique deer. And uh, so have you had anybody reach out, like, tell me the story? And yeah, I mean, is it going to be an article somewhere? Because I can imagine that's that's a pretty hot story to <laughs> write about. Well, I, I, um, I don't want to assume that, you know, my experience is more special than another's, but it, it really felt special to me. And the deer is so unique. I just thought I'd put it on Facebook and someone would reach out. I do have a friend that contacted the TWRA, and I guess they're going to send somebody out to score it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll see what happens. I, I do think that maybe the reason why I haven't ran to the taxidermist yet is it sure would be nice if Cabela's wanted to come over and pay to mount it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Here, I'll, I'll give you so, a hundred grand and, and we'll, we'll mount it. And <laughs> yeah, you can have it in your store, especially for a guy that said he wasn't going to mount any more deer. Yeah. That, that's, that's beautiful. I'll, I'll pay for the, for my wood burning stove with this. There you, <laughs> you go. Know? So if any Cabela's uh, execs that are listening in, you know, you know, you can just go to Mo Pitney's house and, and take care of that right now. So exactly, exactly. The bidding will start at X. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that is such a cool story. And I, I love hearing that. And, you know, just spending time with the Lord in the woods is such a special, special it's really is a special thing. You know, for me, I didn't start hunting until I was 35. And mm-hmm. it's been, a, I mean, a great few years. It was for me, it was kind of like, man, where's this been my whole life? You know, right. And I, you know, I could have heard that story a few years ago and thought, you know, that's a cool story, but it's totally different now being on the other side, you know, you know, being there, right. sitting in a stand, seeing the sign and then, you know, actually planning this for a year and then God bringing it all together. You know, our youngest daughters, our one daughter's name, her name's Providence. And this is the providence of God bringing all of this together and making yep. it just such a special thing. And it's something you'll, for, you know, you'll never forget that. I mean, just an amazing and one, story. One thing I want to point out that you'll notice, um, human nature, the flesh, is married. It is, it is welded to not only the Mosaic law, but the, uh, the laws and, and processes that we put together um, in order to find success. And I think that that is what the term human wisdom or the wisdom of this world is Mm. that, that we can figure out the formula Mm -hmm. by which we can be successful. Yeah, that's good. Um, the, the problem with that, like I said before, is that true wisdom from above does not account for everything being one plus one equals two always. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it says that all humans are in a way made differently. All deer are made differently. All sets of woods are made differently. And, um, and therefore the, the wisdom from above kind of throws out these processes and these laws. And, and I say that to say that you'll notice this tendency in the hunting, uh, world, uh, to buy, up land that you manage this one particular way this type of corn this type of of um, uh, scent or whatever however you want to do that and you create this law this formula that you try to put and control Mm -hmm. what these animals that have their own will (laughs) and uh, that are responding to the the sovereignty of god as well Mm -hmm. Uh, you're trying to control and become god when you do that and there's another path that you can take which is what i'm trying to highlight in this story that i'm telling you yeah that is um to uh if any man lacks wisdom (laughs) Mm -hmm. of how to find a deer let him ask god and and he will become a father to you mm. and he will literally take his son hunting <laughs> yeah that's fine and he will say i i not only uh created deer in general but i created the one that i'm going to give you mm-hmm. and if you walk with me i might put you in the right tree um 
um, and, and in the midst of that, the, the goal is not that you're always successful. I'm not, I'm not preaching prosperity here, but the goal is to, is to, uh, be in relationship with your father. Yeah. Um, and every other path, uh, in my opinion is law and it, and it divorces itself from, a a relationship with him and it, and it marries, uh, processes and, and, um, and laws and, and structures that yeah. um, box him in and push him out, if hmm. that makes sense. That's, so. that's, that's good, man. You know, it, when you start pressing into the sovereignty of God, it really is easy to get into a mechanical, almost fatalistic understanding right. of the sovereignty of God. And, right. You know, we, justification is this great truth that Protestants hold and all Christians hold. It says that we can be right with God on the front end of the faith. Justification is on the front end. Only religion in the world that puts justification on the front end. Everything else is maybe one day. You know, maybe one day I'll be justified yeah, exactly. after after I die. But Galatians tells us in Galatians chapter four, but we're justified to be adopted. And so we're justified in and we're, we're sat at the table of God. And this father rule of the universe, that he's the sovereign father of the universe, mm -hmm. is a, a place that Christians do need to get. And I think that in studying the sovereignty of God, it can be very, uh, like I said, it just could be mechanical. And so I love what you're mm -hmm. talking about, understanding that, you know, God is fatherly towards his children. He is our father and he takes care of us mm -hmm. and he leads us and guides us. It's awesome. I think pastors, a lot of times as we study theology, we want to be precise and we want to be as biblically faithful as we can, can miss the fact that we have been justified to be adopted and, mm -hmm. uh, and that we have been adopted. It's, that's good stuff, man. I, I love hearing that perspective and it is, it is fun to strategize. You know, I I'm thinking, uh, and praying through how can we get some property one day you know we've got this piece we live on and uh and yet you can do everything the right way and you're still dependent upon the lord you know i mean you're still right. dependent upon everything coming together and uh it's just fascinating by the way i said make it as dramatic as possible and you did a phenomenal job so a plus on storytelling brother <laughs> <laughs> all right uh, let's switch gears again so we've done this now i think the third time here but uh, i want to talk a little bit about uh what you do and you're in the public eye regularly and I can't imagine the pressure being more than it's ever been in the entertainment industry to say things the right way, to make sure you don't say the wrong thing. Uh, cancel culture is a real thing across the board. And in pastoral ministry over the last year and a half, it's been really easy to try to gain relational capital in the world and try to maintain relational capital and, and influence in the world. And it's so easy to sell out in pastoral ministry and do whatever you can to keep people happy and whatever I got to do to make as many people as possible happy. And then we wrap that or clothe that with biblical language and talk about being, it being a good evangelistic strategy. Or, or we got to contextualize our, our city and we got to understand our city and our people. And, and we got to make sure we don't offend, offend people unnecessarily and that kind of stuff. And certainly there's some wisdom too. You don't want to be a jerk to the world kind of thing. But yeah, the opposite has been happening. What I've seen is just, uh, if it's not been full-blown apostasy, like you know Joshua Harris or some other pastors that have just said, we're, we're done with the faith. It's been tiptoeing and sacrificing obedience to God on the altar of public witness. So we want people to be happy and um, it's just easy to sell out. Well, here you are in the music industry and, you know, you have your Christian faith and you and your wife are married and you get kids. And, and it seems like you and Emily are really happy and, and it just is it's fun peeking in. But that's the kind of thing that can get you canceled, you know. Uh, these days, just being a loving family and having a real household is something that people can look at and say, well, we don't like that. And maintaining your Christian faith in the public square, I can imagine being difficult. So how is it that you have not just completely sold out and 
said, uh, you know, God's word doesn't matter. Do what you want, you know, live your truth. I'll live mine. And uh, what is it that's, that's restrained you from that kind of, I mean, either full-blown apostasy or just being a, a you know, a coward basically. Hmm. Um, my old man is a coward. <laughs> um, even uh, beginning my walk, my desire to not sell out was even mixed, you know, with with partial tastes of the world that is to come. Uh, that that excited me. That was more. Um, uh, I was more passionate towards even towards anything that I'd ever experienced on this earth. When I was born again, I, I actually tasted God in a way that jarred me loose of things on this, this earth. It was the most exhilarating moment of my life. Uh, nevertheless, uh, moving forward, <clears throat> when you feel that temptation to be drawn back into cultural norms, um, sometimes <laughs> the only thing that would keep me from from apostatizing i guess you could that's uh, probably the wrong way to say it but is the fear of you know what happens if you reject the savior you know um um eternally and so the mixture of those two things what i had tasted and then that stinging fear of of walking away from from heaven really uh drove me to keep walking through the wilderness currently uh, that was the beginning um god lovingly um was grace that taught my heart to fear i guess yeah. amen but currently as i have stepped out in faith in so many decisions where I could have chosen to save my own life and therefore lose it. But um, for whatever reason, I stepped out and, and kind of put my life on the altar. I found my life mm. little by little. I'm, I'm, this is not uh, one day you'll get to heaven language when Jesus says that. He, he's meaning if you will lay down your life on the altar, you will realize that what you're trying to save is actually death. You're trying to save the coward. But you can start to live and move and have your being in Christ, in the one that's not a coward, and that is full of what Peter calls joy inexpressible and full of glory. <laughs> and both Emily and I, you use the word about her and I being happy. <laughs> we seem happy. I mean, we literally look at each other and say often, Are, is there anybody else we know that is as happy as us? <laughs> and if you were to look at our bank account, if you were to look at, um, I guess, the way that Nashville is responding to my music or anything, there is no earthly reason <laughs> why we should be as happy as we are. But every time I have made that decision to pick up my cross, I am met with joy. Mm, I'm met with suffering always, 
but I met with joy. And then also this experience that I'm telling you about, like actually meeting the father and the creator of all being for me and, and realizing not theologically, but like the sovereign hand of God, almost in, it's almost terrifying um, how sovereign you realize he is over your life. When you start to feel that you realize what control he has, but nevertheless, when, when that's connected to the fact that he's sovereignly determining that you are going to bear the image of his son um, and, and participate in his joy forever mm -hmm. and be used for his kingdom while you're here then each step forward, uh, it's a longer stride and a quicker movement. Mm -hmm. And, and I just feel myself speeding up every time I, I have the opportunity uh, to not save my life. I do it quicker. Mm -hmm. And now I no longer have that fear of missing heaven. I, yeah. I have this full expectation of being with him forever. I doubted my salvation for the first six years, but I, I've come to this place where I feel my feet down on the rocks. Mm. Amen. And all that all that's left is how much can I not compromise um, that I might abide more in his life and joy. Yeah. And that that's... I might further realize why he created me. And why I love to deer hunt, why I love to play music, um, why I love my girls and my wife. And what is all of this for? It's for his glory and my joy. And I don't want to miss out on that. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> so you could also say if everything was somehow taken away, you got canceled, everybody's mad at you, nobody likes your music, you're going to be good. You're fine. You, that would just mean that much more joy. And it's not that I'm joyful in being canceled. Right. It's that I am actually, I believe that I experience a miracle of the Holy Spirit when it happens. Mm -hmm. I'm not thankful that they're rejecting light. Right. I'm actually touching God and my heart, my belly, my spirit like overflows with life and, and, and the joy of God. Yeah. And I think that's what you see in acts. I mean, they, I by no means put myself anywhere near what's happening in Afghanistan, what's happened in the book of acts. Like I'm literally talking about a thimble size of what the body has experienced um, throughout history i mean i've never been persecuted i'm just gonna tell you that I, there's not any of that in what i'm saying but there is resistance you mm -hmm. know and i i believe that um what i see in acts when they go away dancing and shouting and singing because they've been beaten mm -hmm. like i'm i feel like i've just like touched that and whatever that joy is it is what the bible calls eternal life mm -hmm. i don't think eternal life is that you get to go to heaven when you die. Mm -hmm. It's that you touch the life which was in the flesh of Jesus. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that that the the living one who died and yet is alive wants to abide with you and mm -hmm. you with him. Amen. And suffering and resisting 
the lie in the darkness is the narrow gate in which you get to contact him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. That's good stuff. You know, all that really leads into the last question I want to ask you. I really want to set you up here for continuing to praise God for his faithfulness in your life. But Mo Pitney, why do you love Jesus so much, brother? <laughs> oh. The cross of Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God. Every human leans one way or another. They either lean towards justice and judgment or mercy and um, lawlessness. And in the cross of Jesus Christ, you have the capacity to do what the Old Testament says. Seek justice. Love mercy. And walk humbly before our God. There's one place in human history where I can serve a God that is perfectly just and overwhelmingly merciful. And that is in the cross of Jesus Christ at the expense of his own self in love. My cowardness and sinfulness that I carried in my life, my bucking against authority, my hatred uh, for the things that God loved, found their just um, penalty in his body on the tree that I might receive mercy and walk with my father. Mm. And I have absolutely fallen in love with him Mm. because of what he has done for me. And I, I love him not just because I've gotten out of hell, but because that tree solved every problem that we're facing. Mm. Amen. And it makes me, now desire to lift him up if he be lifted up he'll draw all men to himself um i feel like i have a flaming torch in my hand but but flaming with love (laughs) uh when i draw attention to what he has done Mm. and i can show mercy and grace to all men whether they uh lean to be religious and judgmental (laughs) or whether they lean to be um, lawless and everything goes, I can love all men through the lens of that tree Mm. now by pointing to him and hoping that they will respond to him with repentance and faith and walk humbly with him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, um, And he has cared for my family in more ways than I could ever tell you. Um, And I just, I hope that others will come to know him uh, even greater than I have because he is the world's greatest treasure. (laughs) Man, that's dynamite stuff. I've appreciated your time today. So, Hey, people are listening and thinking, man, I like this guy. Where can they find more information about you? Where can we get your music? Where can we find out whatever we need to find out about, about you? Uh, Well, Instagram, Facebook, um, just look up Mo Pitney and you'll find it. Make sure that it has all the qualifications like the blue check marks and stuff. <laughs> Cause I guess there's other, other, um, people that 
aren't actually me. Um, but then mopitney.com, you can find tour dates and merch and stuff like that. Um, I'm rarely on Twitter, but you can follow me and see that I never post. <laughs> and, uh, and then that's about it. And if you guys want to listen to the music on uh, iTunes and Spotify, um, I would really appreciate that as well. Awesome. Well, guys, we've been talking to Mo Pitney. Mo, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Thank you very much for having me and creating a space where people can share um, their love for Jesus and how that affects their lives day to day. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks, guys, for listening.